Welcome. Welcome. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I got this. Okay. Ah, I got it. Okay. Ah. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? some film at 11, why don't you follow me down to the brewery? I'll tie a bowling ball to my ankle, dive in the vat of beer. I'll leave this world the same way I entered my marriage. Dead drunk! Hello? Want a beer? Hook it up! Hook it up! Hook me up! Y'all heard, take it from the top. One, two. Beer? This is how we do it. My mic sound nice, check one. My mic sound nice, check two. My mic sound nice. Check three. Are you ready? That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. You like parties? Yeah. We can invite all our friends and have soda and pie. Yeah. I hope no bad. My mic sounds nice, check one. My mic sounds nice, check two. My mic sounds nice, check three. My mic sounds nice, check four. My mic sounds nice, check five. My mic sounds nice, check six. Are you ready? You want some of this milk? Rather have a beer. You guys give me if I kill that bird. Harvard, that's a bald eagle. Get a wig, baldy! Yeah! Oh, good evening. Hey, oh, good evening. And good evening. This is the word with Mike, Pete, and Steve. We are on GovsRadio.com. Govs Radio Comedy Club, or Govs Comedy Club Radio, on Facebook. Of course, we're also on the YouTube. And, of course, on our homepage, GovsRadio.com. Tonight, we have a few sponsors before we get to our guests. And those sponsors are as follows. Tonight, we are sponsored by Brewbag. Brewbag, for beer, pong, cornhole in your backyard with your custom logo. God damn it, get yourself a freaking Brewbag. Brewbag.com for your awesomeness in the backyard. It's a little cold out there, but you know what? You can still throw some bags. Ain't nothing wrong with throwing a few bags. And socially distant. It's a great socially distant beer game. Yeah, that's it. And of course, I like beer pong where you're throwing ping pong balls. It's not. It's not sanitary. Everyone's putting their mouth on everything. Mouth on everything. That's crazy. Disgusting. But yet deliciousness. Well, now now you're getting too sexy for the show. I mean, that's just way too sexy. So go to Brewbag or go to our link in our Instagram. Go to our Instagram, click on the link above, and follow that link to Brewbag and get yourself a, a nice little discount on our awesome Brewbags from uh, Scott Quick over at Brewbag.com. Check it out, Brewbag.com for all your backyard fun games. And, of course, tonight we are also sponsored by VintageBeerShirtClub.com. VintageBeerShirtClub.com, thank you very much for sponsoring the show this year. 2020 has been a dumpster fire, to say the least, and yet your shirts have prevailed and been part of our gifts to our brewers and our guests throughout the time. So 
thank you to VintageBeerShirtClub.com. Go ahead and go on the website. And of course, type in the promo code WORT for your discounted uh, subscription to old school VintageBeerShirtClub.com shirts. Check them out, VintageBeerClubShirt.com. Steven, take it away. Rosie's Draft Solutions. Uh, Rosie's Draft Solutions provides professional draft beer system services, line cleanings, and more for for your establishment. Uh, customers can enjoy the best quality beverages from their cleaning systems. Mm. Uh, they service bars, restaurants, halls, events, homes, and all other beverage establishments across Long Island and Westchester. You mentioned the wart for a discount. These guys are awesome. I keep noticing more and more. I see more places mm-hmm. using Rosie's. And uh, I, I'm going to go to those places because I know those lines are freaking pristine. Clean your pipes. So when you yeah. call Nick over at Rosie's Draft Solutions, tell him Mike, Pete, and Steve from the Wirt sent you and receive 10% off. Of course, your line cleaning, your service, or some rental hardware. Go to rosiesdraftsolutions.com. And Peter, give us a little information about Brewers Hardware. BrewersHardware.com for all your uh, large, uh, your large home brewing needs, your small home brewing needs, and your uh, small production brewery needs. Uh, you need that tri clamp, you need that fitting, some some hose, filters, whatever you need. BrewersHardware.com, they've been a really good sponsor. Mm. Give me those gift gift cards for all the uh, brewers on the show. Great guys, BrewersHardware.com, and it's a uh, Small Business Saturday this weekend, I think. Right? If that's it is still so a I've thing. Heard. Uh, go visit Hartwell Woodshop. Mm. Great, uh, great Christmas gift. You can get a uh, a nice cutting board, maybe a sign for the bar downstairs or ah, something. Look at you doing the promos now. Hart- Hartwell Peter. Woodshop in Patchogue. Stepping up to the mic, stepping up to the plate. I'm always stepping up to the plate, and it's always full of deliciousness that I should be eating. <laughs> Also, check out Tavor, Tavor.com for beer ship right to you. Go, go to Tavor.com and in the promo code, type in Wart, W-O-R-T, to get your uh, beer ship right to your door, Tavor.com. And uh, thanks a lot, everyone, for sponsoring us. We only have one more show for this year, I think. I don't think we're going to do a second show in December. So we're nearing the end of this really, really awful, terrible year that it seems to have some sort of bright spot somewhere along the lines. But in the meantime, we're making the best of it. And for that, tonight, we brought in our buddy, Paul, from Blind Bat Brewing Company in Centerport, New York, Long Island. What's up, Paul? What's going on, man? Holy. Hello. Hi. Oh, but but uh, wait, wait. Mike, hmm? can you just... Uh, I'm sorry. Can you just pronounce his last name for us? Because I didn't hear it. I didn't hear you say his last name. Um, Did I? Do I have to say his last name? <laughs> Should should I yeah, not? I think you have to try. Okay, it's uh uh. Le, I'm not even gonna say the D. It looks silent when you fall by an L. So let's go with or the L is silent when f- preceded by a D. Uh, uh Lugo Kenti, Lugo 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 Enki, Lugo Enki. <laughs> not, not even close, huh? Oh boy! Mangled at Ellis Island in Poland. Everybody knows there's an L with a little diagonal slash through it. Every 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 child in Poland, uh, not with a W, but they just made a regular L. So it should be Dwugokensky, but it's Dwugokensky. My parents are trying. 
So Delugo Kensky. All right. All right. That's not bad. I, I wasn't, I was trying to put a T at the end there for no apparent reason. Uh, because you see Kensky and then it's more SKY when you ski and then Kentucky is pretty close there too. I'm sure you get a lot of people dropping the T in there and calling it Lugo Kentucky. How, how many beers? How many beers yeah. <laughs> Only two so far. There'll be more. Ohio, Kentucky. Yeah. Ohio, Kentucky. Ohio, Kentucky. Oh my God. Paul, I think your, your audio is just going a little bit in and out. I'm not sure why that is, um, but we'll, we'll clear that up in just a few moments. Right. Thanks. Yeah, I was maybe just going to text you and say, is there any way to boost Paul's audio? No, I can't do that individually. It's just a matter of, uh, I guess, maybe it's the echoey of the room, but I don't think that's it. I think it's you have good Wi-Fi. It sounds like when you start talking, it gets going. So we'll just have to give you a moment in between to kind of let the Zoom grab your audio and stream it correctly. But we'll see how it goes along the way. We'll try to make adjustments live on the air. You know, that's how we do it. Ooh, there it is. Uh, Paul, so, you know, this is uh, this is one of the things we posted uh, recently. Um, you know, we had we wanted to get you on the show. Uh, we've been kind of going back and forth for a little bit, you know, here and there through Instagram and, and social media. And then, of course, email, which is the best way to kind of get in touch with you. Um, so, uh, you know, to me and, and as we posted in some of the promotional stuff, we actually uh, I think that you're one of the the OGs of Long Island. That's me making those posts. And and when I think Blind Bat and see the logo, I think of one of the first breweries that was here on Long Island, uh, kind of like Gen 1 of the craft beer scene on Long Island. Maybe two. Okay. 1.5. 1. 1. I mean, we'll go with 1.5. That's pretty good. I, I launched finally. I started the process in 2006, finally got all the licensing in place and launched in 2008. At that point, there was Blue Point, of course, Southampton Public House, yep. Rick House, Brewery, uh, and uh, Black Forest. Yeah. Wow. Oh, then that's definitely... <laughs> that is, I'm gonna that is a in. limited list. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see. Public House, gone. Yeah, um, that came and went. Yeah. It lasted a year or two. What were some of those? What were some of those breweries that were, were around for just a short time? You remember? a brewery called Cobblestone in Huntington Station. Hmm. Mark Herford worked there. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we also, uh, David Gonzalez, who we had on from Lost Worlds, mm -hmm. he worked it at, um, uh, in Port Jefferson. It was called... Oh, right. It was a brew pub. I forgot. Yes. The name didn't make... James sense. Bay. James Bay was the name. In Port that, you're, you're right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> in Garden City on Stewart Avenue that lasted like a year. Yeah, it was. Uh, wasn't there one called Long Island Brew House? Oh, oh, Jericho Turnpike uh, in Jericho. Yeah, he even knows the address. He's like four seventy five Jericho Turnpike. Don't forget it. This <laughs> <laughs> is before Waze was a thing. He had it down. Of course, too. There was John Harvard's. So. Yeah, yeah. John Harvard. Yeah. I mean, you you were you were not a, a quote unquote brew pub. Um, and, and that, that was at that level. So, you know, like I said, you know, RIP, uh, the Southampton public house, uh, brick house uh, in the last few years really has not had their own brew rocking like it used to. Um, occasionally I see things pop up on the board and, and sometimes it's not even what they brewed. So I don't know what's going on there. I've yet to get a straight answer over there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, John Harvard's gone. 
uh, Long Island Brewpub gone. Um, what was the other one we mentioned? Uh, Blue Black Point Forest. obviously stayed. Black Forest. I love Black Forest. That's what I was talking about, though. I was talking about Black Forest. Not oh, having yeah. the lineup. Paul, Paul you said yeah, yeah. Oh, Paul I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant to say uh, Black Forest was the one that didn't have anything brewed recently in right. the last few years. Right. Brickhouse has always been Brickhouse, but Paul, you know, obviously moved over to Ghost, and uh, they have the new guy in there now doing good things. I've heard good things about the the beer still coming out of Brickhouse, so that's good. He left behind a legacy. Yes, he did. Yeah, Paulie was is like the original to me, Nano Nano Brewery on Long Island. Mm. There was really no one else doing small scale. You know, um, no, no, you know, you, you weren't, you weren't going to see barrels and barrels of it all over when you could find it, you had to get your hands on it because there wasn't a lot to go around. So that was to me, like the real first, uh, you know, small nano niche brewery on the Island was, was blind bat. Paul, take us back to that, that starting point. How did this all get started? How'd you get into this, this, uh, sector of the industry? Um, like everybody else had a job I was not thrilled with got into home brewing. It's, you know, same old story. Um, my wife and I made wine together, mm. which led me to brewing. Cause we used to go to, there used to be a brew, uh, a wine and beer making supply place in Islip, um, Arbor. That was, yeah. Arbor right on main street. Yeah. Yeah. Right by the train tracks. Yeah. yeah I remember uh, that. Go there and get our wine making supplies and, like a toddler, I'd wander off into the beer-making supplies section <laughs> wine-making supplies. And so she surprised me one Christmas uh, with a kit. I made beer. I liked it. I was doing it. You know, making wine, it was like a year or two before you know what you have. Whereas with beer, obviously, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, you've got something you can drink. So... Payoff was much bigger. And where, where'd you get started? Were you start in your house, obviously, and then kind of move out from there? On the stove, in the kitchen. Um, then I, you know, learned all grain because I figured, you know, by then I figured, I, I was thinking, I was daydreaming about starting. I was into cooking crepes at the time, or crepes. <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve corrected me the other day. Crepes. <laughs> smoking a pancake? Yes. Bong a blitz. Bong a blitz. <laughs> So I daydreamed about starting a place, just a little place, big there, <laughs> just a little European style, tiny place. Then I realized I didn't know anything about the restaurant industry. I didn't know anything about the brewing industry. So that was a crazy idea. We've got a little kitchen, we make food, we make beer, and that's kind of what we're doing. That's fantastic. And and so, like I said to you before, I mean, the, the place that I first saw you uh, available to the public was at like farm uh, or, or um, farmer's markets. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, I mean, that was what I saw on, on the social media early on was, you know, we're going to be at this farmer's market, that farmer's market. And I go, you know, it, it'd be awesome if earlier in my craft beer career, I was just strolling through a farmer's market and someone had beer. I don't think I've ever stumbled upon a small brewery selling at a farmer's market, but I think you were one of the first ones out there doing that. Well, I, I think the first year that it was legal, right. uh, which, so 2011, I think it was. Um, so yeah, so I did farmer's markets for a good number of years until we got this place up and running. And I'm just not doing them just because I can only be in so many places at one time. Right. The, uh, the early on you had some, some very, very, 
you know, radical ideas compared to what was already out there. I mean, today you, you go, oh, okay, then that makes sense. But back then it was something that you were like, oh, well, you putting basil and fucking beer. I mean, that's dope. Uh, today it's like, yeah, we got basil in the beer. And so it's, I think it's a little more acceptable. How was it received early on uh, when you guys were first putting stuff out there? Well, it was tough in the farmer's market because while the state said you can pour samples, each farmer's market had their own rules. And mm. the farmer's markets I was in would allow me to actually pour samples. So I try and describe the beer as best as I could. But there definitely were people who were like, I described the beer and they go, uh, can I taste it? No. And they go, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you next time. Mm. So, no, but it took time. Everything takes time. I think that's that's tough because one of the, the biggest things for a tasting room is to have the ability to kind of have someone taste it. Oh, and, yeah. and that that will definitely lead to more purchases because they're willing to then cough up the money then for something that they know they like rather than, you know, spend like, you know, 14 to 15, 13, $25, whatever on a uh, smaller bottle. And then they get home and like, nah, I didn't really like that. But it's tough back then. Nowadays, I think it's more received that way. But now you're in a different place. How, how did that progression go from where you were um, early on to now? Like, what, was, what were the big leaps and bounds along the way? Well, I started a part-time working a full-time job. Uh, my first brewing system was only, I could only do 10 gallons of beer at a time. So I did mm. that for a couple of years. And then when I you know, felt like there was enough positive feedback to go to the next step, I got, which was for me, a much bigger system. But for everybody else, it's still small. Uh, 93 gallons at a time, which in, in the in the industry parlance is three barrels, and those are the sizes of batches that I'm still doing. Okay. Uh, but you know, it's still a size you can experiment with, and if you kind of try a new recipe, a new idea out, and if it turns out really bad, it's not like you know, oh shit, I got to dump 25, 50 barrels of this beer and. All the money that went into buying the ingredients for it. Time, <laughs> money, everything. Yeah. Peek ahead, because we're we're past the statute of limitations here, so you can go ahead and talk badly now. Uh, so fuck hopsters in <laughs> in uh, Boston Seaport. Uh, fuck them. Yeah, just well, why? Sideways why, Peter? to the moon. Why? So we. Uh, over the summer, as our uh, audience Steve, knows, Steve took a, a vacation up to uh, uh, off New England and had stopped at this uh, this place for a bite to eat in Boston. Uh, hold on, hold on. We might stop for a second. We're just going to hold on one second. Wait, wait. Something was going on with the internet. I think I got it back. All right, we're back. Go ahead, go. Had uh, figured out that at this place you could uh, go in and brew your own beer. Uh, with a multitude of different recipes that were available from the uh, from the proprietor, right? Uh, which sounded like a good time, so texted it us. It was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. I did have it. it was uh, an enjoyable couple uh, couple trips up to Boston. Uh, so he said, "No brainer." Uh, it wasn't you know it wasn't terribly expensive to do, especially split three ways. Sounded mm-hmm. like a fun thing to do, a cool thing we could do for the show. You know, we'll go up there, we'll brew a couple batches, bring it home. We can uh, have some of our, you know, friends from the industry uh, try it and tell us, you know, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Great. We get up there. We decide we're going to do a riff on just one of the recipes. We just want to dry hop it. 
Uh, otherwise, we do in a, in a Marzen style uh, and a, a hoppy, uh, hoppy wheat. Uh, if I Correct. Remember. Yep. Correct. Uh, but the only caveat with doing uh, with brewing up there is that you have to uh, the, the the expectation is that you're going to come back when the beer is ready and hand bottle it, uh, by, you know, uh, there or have them or pay a fee to have them do it for you. Okay. And we didn't weren't crazy about the bottle, the format of a you know 12 ounce bottle. I for sure as hell wasn't enthused about spending three fucking hours hand bottling. <laughs> Uh, you know, nope. a couple sixtles. So that didn't, so, uh, actually no quarter kegs it was quarter yeah, kegs. So when we went up there, we brought, uh, Steve, uh, had, uh, sourced a couple quarter kegs, had them cleaned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we brought those up and just asked to keg our beer for us when it's ready. Uh, this is, you know, here are the extra hops for dry hopping a little later on and tell us when it's ready, you know, and we will come pick it up, which we did. Correct. We brought it to uh, our friend uh, Joe Bruzo at WA Meadworks. We did. Uh, we poured, uh, we tried canning one. It was over carbonated to high fucking heaven. AF. Uh, then uh, upon sampling said beer, mm-hmm. it was fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. God awful oxidized sludge. Ugh. Yeah. And upon reaching out to officers to rectify the situation, they ghosted us like someone we met on Tinder. Yep. So <laughs> fuck hopsters in the Boston seaport. In the in the S mouth and C. Uh, <laughs> we, we had them on. We had them on the show. We did. And, and everything you know, seemed fine. And then we, like Pete said, we went through the process and we did everything we were going to do. And then... Uh, you know, when we got back and, and things didn't go right, we did get response within 24 hours that they were going to look into it. Uh, a week went by. I let a week go by. And then uh, Apparently they're still looking into it. Fuckers. Well, uh, that was that after a week, um, we ended up saying, uh, so what's the deal? And they said, oh, no one got back to him. We said no. And then um, then that was it. That's the last I heard in pretty much the last three to four weeks at this point. So... There's that, and that's all I can say about it. Because other than that, it's pretty much effed. So, yes. but anyway, well, I have a question for Steve. Yeah, with, based with your experience, what do you have any theories on what went wrong with that batch of beer? Yeah, um, well, for, they don't. They didn't have like real fermenters. They were uh, plastic, uh, like. 15 gallon containers that were look like they were old uh, chemical containers. Correct. They would put the beer in a plastic bag so they didn't have to clean it. The bag was already basically clean. And then they would put, they would put a bubbler in it and let it go. I feel when they trip, because, and again, they transfer, mm-hmm. they're, they're not, they're doing just a gravity transfer. Mm-hmm. So there's no, CO2 being involved for, for moving, you know, you're getting oxygen in that. So they put it into our kegs, probably didn't carbonate it until we got there, which was a week later, sat in a, sat in the, in the keg. Now the keg was pressurized, but if you're gravity feeding, you got to dump that CO2. So now you just putting it right in. I mean, 
this this color of your beer right here, this Weizenbach, this is lighter than what the wheat beer looked like. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the reaction, Paul. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> Good enough. Yep. Yeah, I just th- I just think they well, yeah, you know, we'll we'll carb it right before they get there. Oh, they're coming tomorrow. Okay, we'll carb it tonight. They even said, Oh, yeah, we'll just put some CO2 and roll it around a little bit. They, so there was no they weren't, you know. So let me ask you this, because this is one thing that I that's always been on my mind. What um what would have been different had we bottled it? Well, they probably would have done a slurry okay of, of, of basically sugar and the wort you know you get it before the fermentation is totally done there's a little bit of yeast left and then you okay. let it naturally carbonate in the bottles in the bottle so it was going to be a bottle for me it's like a homebrew kit you would do right thing. that's what they would have done yeah that's that's what my wife uh was wise when she got me my first beer kit because she remembered what it was like bottling wine Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, uh, filling each bottle. So hmm. she got a little, little corny keg set up. So my first batch of beer was on draft, which was nice. Oh, and yeah, and that's what I, you know, when I learned how to how to homebrew years ago, we did bottles. But as soon as I could, I got the draft system, and I was like, I wasn't looking back. I'm like, people are like, hey, can you give me a bottle? No, no, you come over my house and drink it. <laughs> You're not going to risk the 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 potential contamination. Oh, it's everything. You could have them overcarbonated. Mm. Nothing could happen. The yeast could been not viable, and now you have flat beer. Yeah, you don't want that either. Jesus. So I actually probably would have rather had flat beer than we could force carbonate <laughs> at Joe's place, and then we would have been better off at that point. Yeah. Just sure. give us the bags, like a freaking uh, beer bowl. We could have just brought it home in the back seat of the car, just tied it up nice. But yeah, there you go, uh, Paul. That was uh, pretty much what we what we went through. And at this point, listen, we weren't looking to get everything back. We weren't looking to get you know all our money back, even though we probably should have. And we spent a bunch of money going up there and 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 drinking there and twice. You know, or, uh, it wasn't even that. It was we had a great experience. I'll chuck it up to the entertainment value of of the trip we took. But at least give us that recognition that we didn't fuck this up. It had nothing to do with us. You guys know the process and where it messed up. And now at that point when they probably realized, oh yeah, we fucked up. That's when they ghosted us. And that's why we were upset about it. It's yeah. not, if they came back and just told us what was wrong and even giving us like a hundred bucks back out of the four and change that we spent on that, I would have been fine. As long as it's a recognition of, yeah, we messed up and here's what we can and, do. It just be like, Hey, look, we can't give you all the money back because there's always ingredients that chance that a beer is going to be going wrong. Right, oh. right. And, and we we varied it. We yeah. varied the ingredients. I get it. I get it. But even just some sort of token saying they recognize the fact that they were a part of, probably a huge part of the, the screw up. That's all we were looking for. And, you know, we'll, we'll chalk it up to an experience that we will not do again. That's for damn sure. Nope. <laughs> and we'll not be recommending in the future. I mean, anyone can make mistakes and any of us will make right. mistakes. But the big thing is you say, oh, I'm sorry, I messed this up, and let me make it right. That's all right. I need. Yeah, I mean, I, I said to to Stephen Pete, I said, guys, I mean, what what would be really the the best case scenario where we get it all back? They invite us back up there. Are we going back up there? Probably not. That was a lot of travel and and back and forth, two trips. You know, if they offered to brew us our beer again and then on the arm and and ship it to us, 
without having to, you know, pay any. I mean, I'd even pay for the shipping if they just brewed it themselves for us. Just so we get it back down here and we do the process and, you know, pretend like we brewed this one, but we really went through the process. It would have made a little bit of a difference. But, you know, just something, just something in the end. When is it that when when did this happen? This uh, experience. Uh, uh, we well, no, we brewed in. I think we brewed in September and went back in October. We were end of August. End of August. Okay, the last the week before school started in August. That's right. Yeah. Twenty ninth, and then we would go back three weeks, two weeks, three weeks. Like three weeks, yeah. Yeah, and then we were we were gonna have mid September an Oktoberfest that we were gonna release at the end of September for October. And in fact, here I'll show you. Oh, we even had little labels printed. Oh yeah, we we did the whole thing. So this was the uh, Worktoberfest. Oh nice. This is the only remaining closed can, I believe, right? Pete, do you have a closed I, can? I do. And by the way, Steve, like I said, it's not soft anymore. It's completely hard. <laughs> so it probably continued to ferment in this thing. I would I imagine if I open this, it's going to explode on me. And then we did uh, something, an ode, an homage to uh, the three of us being hosts of the wort. And this was a radically hopped American wheat. This was called Three is a Magic Number. Apparently it was too radically hopped. Too, <laughs> too radically. Too radically hopped, Paul. So uh, that's that's our blunders, and I'm sure Paul, you've had yours. So give us a little, uh, you know, like a worst case scenario that you had along the way here, of kind of what you went through over those early years. Worst case scenario with uh, the process, or a worst case scenario with a beer that I was like, oh Christ, this is bad. Yeah, it's the, the latter, <laughs> the latter, because I don't want to feel as bad that we actually just brewed like very basic stuff. But I know when you get into some of the adjuncts that you use, I'm sure there's stuff that you're like, oh, this would be great. And then it turns out not so great. What was what was one of those instances? Um, I know there had to be something. It's been a while. I mean, I'm not saying I've always, you know, batting, uh, knocking them out of the park. But, uh, you know, I, what I would try to do would be with the, still having the little 10-gallon system before I do 93 gallons or something, I would try, try it out first. Like, it was a weird different kind of recipe um brewing with oysters that was that was a learning curve now there's plenty of breweries that brew with oysters what where does the oysters come in in the process a lot of oyster stout actually just has oyster shell okay I, so it's like the grittiness the earthiness of what's calcium. in there ah oysters so mm. so what does that do that change the ph balance of the water or what where do we use that in the boil I didn't get as much as I thought. You get like this, if you say, hey, there's oysters in this, mm -hmm. and you go, oh, let me think. Yeah, I think I catch something. You know, I don't think it really, you get a little background, marine, minerally kind of thing. Okay. But I've seen people brew with uh, lobsters too. Yeah. I've heard about that. I've never tried the lobster. Like live lobsters? Like they're the, they're the, Lobsters are adding hops to the beer, or <laughs> yes, yes, they're holding on to to, <laughs> to, hold it, to bags. bags and a little put. <laughs> you just hold them up. Come on, come on, drop it in. Drop I mean, in. that does sound fun. That does sound a lot more fun to brew with the lobster <laughs> as like your brewing assistant. No, I think they're actually I mean, doing the boil with the lobster, cooking the oil, the the lobsters, and then using that then to start with the the the, the to create the wort. Yeah, Paul, if there were any shellfish you could have as a brewing assistant. What would that shellfish be? <laughs> and don't be shellfish about it. But I'm just thinking lobster 
screaming as you put it into the boiling wort, which is, you know, the oysters are less evolved, so they don't. <laughs> we hold them to such a high standard, but yet they're just the cockroaches of the sea. They really are. Yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine if would people really eat lobsters if in the kitchen when at the restaurant they hear them screaming as they're going into the boil? Run! Run! Is there is there anything else that someone like kills for you like while you're waiting for your meal? Like no one's like killing the chicken and you're, like you don't hear him chopping the head off the chicken. Yeah, it's your fucking some South American countries maybe, but not not up in here. Not up in here. <laughs> Not up in here. No, that definitely not. <laughs> That's right. There's those old, the old school restaurants where they've got the lobster tank and you pick out the lobster. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that one. He's really having a great time enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> I want him dead. He looks that so happy. Dead. He fucking looked at me sideways. You go back there and you kill that fucker and bring him up here. You get little red bastard. You put him in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy's having way too much fun. I hate my life. Kill him. Yeah. It's screaming. Not up in here. Not up in here. There it is. There you go. Took me a minute to get the soundboard back up. <laughs> By the way, Pete, just to give you a heads up, the recording never stopped, but we stopped streaming for your entire rant because I had to switch over. <laughs> I had to goddamn. Switch over. That sounds like collusion. Yeah, it, like- <laughs> it's, it's, it's Russian involvement with my Wi-Fi. Fuckers. <laughs> Paul, you, I mean, like I said, you, you to, to us, you're one of the OGs. Uh, I have your your brand printed on T-shirts I own from like 2006, 2008, not 2006, 2008, 2010. So it, it's been around a while. Um, when did you first move into the space you guys are in now? Uh, we moved in 2018. We finally opened June of 2019. Wow. We had some uh, wastewater issues to work out. We thought was simple that weren't, but they got worked out. But it took better part of a year. Was it licensing or was it mostly just uh, sprucing up the space? Not a problem. Uh, the state of New York has gotten terrific. Um, when I first applied for my license, I got... The federal license in 2007, then I applied for the New York State license, and under the old previous administration, it took 11 months to get my state license. Wow. Why it took me into 2008. Was it a farm license or just a, a microbrew license? Or, microbrew license or farm license? My original license was microbrew license. Okay. I had the farm, the farm brewing license uh, a couple of years ago, and then I finally dropped the microbrew license. I'm just 100% farm brewers. Ah, okay. Nice. Committed to using New York State ingredients. Every year, the percentage requirements go up. I try and write my recipes as close to 100% New York State ingredients as I can so I don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Right. But it was the New York State farm brewers license that let us have this place because... In addition to the production. The production brewery is still the little building behind the house. The farm brewers license that you have up to five, they call branch location. I have questions about the uh, the IPA. It's it seems like malt forward, not like not uh, not bitter, yeah. but also not like not like a juice bomb either. No, no, no. That's 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 my take on an old fashioned American IPA from I don't know. Pick your pick your 
here in the 90s kind of a thing. It's all cascade hops. That's the Lucificus. Um, it's all cascade hops, but it's New York State grown cascade hops. Ooh. I find there you go. As character than the, the Pacific Northwest cascade hop. Um, talking with a customer the other night, and the, the term he used was he found it harsher. But he didn't think harsher in a derogatory term. He just, he just said that was just how he was getting it. So a little more assertive. So the, the term we came up with, it was it's like the Robert De Niro of hops. It's a little more assertive, a little more. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, uh, uh, it's different. It does, it's not, uh, it doesn't take, you know, taste obviously like, you know, it's not like one of the, you know, like haze, hazy, nor no. does it taste like a West Coast IPA to me. It's, oh, no, it's like an old fashioned. Yeah, I like it. American IPA. So is it primarily the Cascade hops that's that's uh, in there, or what else? What else are we using on there? I know we're into our second segment already, but that's fine. We could talk about it because I just opened it up. I was drinking something previous, and I want to, as you mentioned it, go okay. Now I want to now want to taste that. I like it. I like it a lot. So, 100% New York State grown Cascade hops. They're grown up in the Finger Lake, and it's all 100% New York State malt. Oh yeah, I just saw that on there. Yeah. 100% New York malt and Cascade hops. Yep. So I mean that's got to be like a, a a conscious effort then to start with the hundred percent as best you can so that way when the the percentages start going up like you said you know not reinventing the wheel um, is that what the big change was when you got that farm brewer's license and yeah. previous to that what were you doing were you getting still locally stuff but not as much as the percentages I, I used I used local when I could um, it's taken a number of years for New York State barley. Mm. Growers and malt houses to get up and running and, and kind of get on their game. Uh, hops have been grown in New York State uh, earlier, I think. I mean, some here on the island and upstate. Um, and then, you know, it takes a while for the farmers to learn. You know, barley that's used for brewing is much different than barley that's used for food, mm. as it were. Interesting. They make those conversions. So it's really, it's really tough. And then finding the right varieties and grow in New York State conditions. It was a big learning curve for everyone. And that was the whole point of the New York State Farm Brewers license was not to help brewers. We got a carrot and stick. Kind of <laughs> help farmers, yeah. If you, but the commitment was to help farmers, mainly upstate farmers, because, you know, upstate economy is really, really hurting. It's hurting more, even more now. Yeah. But the, uh, the Cascade, is, is that leaving the, the mouthfeel here on the back end? Is that what that... Is the is the amount of, of of resin and oils in that cascade? Is that what's kind of unique to the New York State Cascade uh, strain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's delicious. It's got a nice bright feel to it because um, I'm just coming off like a very bitter beer prior to this, so it's kind of a little exaggerated on the brightness. And then the mouthfeel is there though. It's just much smoother than uh, the one I previously had. Um, Definitely probably should have had some water in between just to get the full. Uh, I, I know, Stephen, I know your your Cicerone hands have gotten the, the hands on the water. So, uh, I mean, it's it's like you said, strictly Cascade, nothing else, just single hop? Single hop, all Cascade. Yeah, I like Cascade as a hop itself. Um, have you used Cascade in any other of the uh, brews that are on, on the lineup right now? Uh, nothing else right now. I mean, I've used it in the past. So, and then to answer your earlier question about before I had the New York State license, mm. I was, you know, classic European 
hops and malts. Uh, I had one beer in particular, uh, my Hellgate, which was like a Belgian, sort of some, between a Belgian golden and a triple. And I was using malts in German, fantastic, incredible malt. And again, the, the barley there is grown in under different conditions. So that was the beer I had the most difficulty recreating using New York State. The, the characteristics of the malt, was very, that was very much malt-forward beer. Hmm. Uh, and then you also got the, the, the fermentation characteristics of the Belgian yeast, and I would coriander, but it really was about the backbone of it, really was the malt that made it. And it took me a function to finally recreate that final malt house that had a malt that was similar enough. And uh, finally did that this year, but now that malt house is ceased production. And which oh, one? That's which one are you? Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> which one are you using right now? Is it 1886 or using New York? One that, that hopefully is just temporarily ceased production. So I was I was really relying on their malt for a lot of the beers. There's also I've been using Hudson Valley malt. Yep. Doing a very small operation. He's doing traditional pour malting, which you would find like in the UK. Yeah, over in Scotland when they were doing uh, like whiskey and stuff like that, where they just turning over the grain every so often, yeah, oh, um, managing humidity. Very particular, uh, it's not the big industrial kilns and drums and all that. He's doing mm. the real old school floor malting. And when you get a sack of malt from him, he's written down the name of the farmer that the barley came from or the wheat came from, which is really cool. That's cool. But he's very small and it's hard to get. Yeah. Right. What's the difference between, you know, taste-wise, the 1886 or the, the, the Hudson Valley? What, what, what comes out more in some of those different malt builds? I want to say what Dennis at 1886 is doing is with the floor malting, fuller, richer character, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, like, Hudson's a little drier, you think? Uh, I wouldn't say drier. I'm just saying that just the, the, the malt itself, you get a fuller, richer, rounder characteristic. All right. I mean, we've, we've talked to a bunch of brewers, you know, here on Long Island that, that go to both of those that, that, oh. that kind of pull from that. So I'm sure the demand is high for, on either one, but I'm sure 1886, because of the size, you know, relatively supplies a lot more. They were the biggest malt house in the state. And a lot of brewers were relying on them. And when they kind of all of a sudden went, you know, radio silent. What was the deal with that? Is there any background information on what happened? There's rumors and I wouldn't repeat any of them. I don't. (laughs) Well, we should get them on the show and really get down to business and find out the hard hitting effect. Oh, no. Well, we're not a brewery. We don't want their malt. (laughs) Maybe they will. Maybe they'll talk to you. All right. They will. They'll tell their side of the story. That's all we're here for. We're news gathering. We're just trying to get the info. Your experience with that place where you did the the brewing to bring down. You know, things happen. Things go south. We all make mistakes. What can make it better is some transparency and just say like, "Really sorry. This is what went wrong. Don't 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 necessarily have to give all the details." Right. We're working on it, and this is our plan forward. But when it's just like, you know, they ghosted. Everybody. It makes it tougher to. It makes it tougher to come back too, and yeah. for you know, a customer to have faith in their business. Yep. Yeah, 
Well, what they'll probably do is uh, first and foremost rebrand because that's a way to just kind of forget about the past. Uh, put some new ownership in there, even though there's probably same management or something like that. And, you know, kind of say like, this is a brand new thing. We took over the business kind of idea and we're still going to provide whatever it is that we provide to the population. And so what, what else are people going to? I know Hudson Valley Malt is there, but what else is on in New York State that you can go to? Pioneer Malt. There's a couple of other maltsters that reached out to, but all these smaller malt houses are now inundated by all these yep. throughout New York State. There's I, I couldn't tell you the number, but there are an increasing number of New York State farm breweries that need now, especially now because the percentage has gone up of the need to use a higher percentage than you used to. So all these small malt houses are like, I don't know if I can get you anything. Where do you think that's going? Do you think that they'll have to cap the percentages that keep going up? They'll think they'll pause it just because of the lack of, of availability? In, in the, legis the original legislation, the way it was written, uh, there is a clause that, you know, you know act God, you know, crop failures or et cetera, right. that there's a potential way around it. But I don't know. Pull that back if. Invoke it or what the actual, you know, you think they can blame COVID for that too? Mm -hmm. They think they can blame COVID for that as well. Why not? I mean, we're blaming and, it for everything else. Yeah, right? pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, it, 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 the sheer fact that people are home drinking and the demand is very high, and there's a big, there was a big player that's now not in play anymore. That's got to be something to be said when it's brought up to the legislator that something is going down. Yeah. And now I'm rethinking like, okay, I gave up my microbrewer's license. If I had that license, I could still be using other malts. Could but, you get it? What? But I would not be able to serve them here in my little. Mm. Oh, oh, could you wait? Could God you damn, all these little fucking rules. <laughs> sell it to other places, but the problem yeah. with places is restaurants and bars are hurting. The ones that are open. Well, Steve, you may remember, you know, even in good times, will they pay you for the mm. beer delivered? How long does it take to get them to finally pay you? So. Right. Exactly. And, and on top of it, where's the audience now? I mean, where, where have they gone to? What's the trend? What's the, what's the, uh, the flow or the, or the, the, uh, I don't want to say trend cause there's no real trend right now, but it's, it's kind of like got to find, you got to pinpoint where that is so you can correctly market and do what you need to do. What would it take for you to get your microbrewers license back? Um, I'd have to fill out an application, write them a check, and it probably wouldn't take that long. Mm. To be honest, I think mean, again, it get, gets to that point where that's that's the next step. I mean, to carry that. But then, could you sell that beer to go at your place? No, couldn't have it like in in prepacked cans or anything. I could go back to uh, farmers markets. Door to door to bars, restaurants, and beer distributors. They're all they're all hurting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean, I just think make more crepes. <laughs> and that Crafts. really, Crafts. Yeah, that really brings me to the, the next point because uh, blind bat brewery isn't just a brewery. I mean, it's blind bat brewery and bistro. Yeah. So g tell us where the shift headed and, and kind of where you're at now with the food element of the, the brewery. Well, as I mentioned, my original idea notion was food and beer, and then I dismissed that. Uh, and uh, many years trying to find and secure and open up a location, a number of things went didn't work out. 
And then this, this location here in Centerport happening to be like a short walk from my house. I'm right in my own hometown, like Dorothy, after all that. Uh, but Tom would not allow me to open up a brewery and tasting room here. They said, you can have a small restaurant and serve. I was like, hmm. okay, I'll do that. <laughs> So do you have a do you have a full kitchen in there, or are you just doing prepackaged, or what is it? Um, it's just handheld type of foods, you know, burgers and whatnot. You know, dishes, dishes. I got to make something like beer friendly, handheld stuff. But okay. um, and that's the funny thing here in the neighborhood, we have a lot of people that that just go come here for food. They they use a lot of takeout. We got a lot of takeout orders. The burgers have really taken off. We use really good quality meat, and we just kind of do some fun things with it, so people like it. So, so I are you sourcing meat also? Local New York State ingredients. Damn it, red fucking! That was my goddamn question. Where was? <laughs> Where's the food coming from? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to where, head you off the. Where place. are you sourcing a lot of the, uh, the the ingredients for the for the for the food at the bistro, Paul? Hold on. Um. There's there's a uh, purveyor that you may have seen them in, in some supermarkets called D'Artagnan. Mm, okay. Now with them, they deal with small farms and ranches, so all the meat is sustainably raised, grass-fed Angus, no growth hormones, no uh, antibiotics. They're not part of the industrial food chain, so the ingredients are a little more expensive, but they are not only are they better for you, but they're they taste better. It's like you know. So that's basically what we're getting at all that. But if I wanted like some bacon that was from an abused pig, like this was a really shitty pig in life, and I wanted them to you know, salt this shit. Oscar Meyer. <laughs> Oscar is is literally personally going through and slapping every pig in the ass. That's right. Every single day. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like it's heritage. The, the pork bacon is heritage breed. We have duck bacon. Oh, uh, love duck bacon. Oh, I have not had it, but I'm very curious now. It's bacon <laughs> cooked in duck fat, correct? It's so delicious, Pete. You got to get your hands on some of this. And, and just I'm, duck I'm fat curious. in general to, to cook with, because you're you're a connoisseur of the foods. Just I've start- had duck fat French fries. And- yes. It's as good as it sounds. It is delicious. Oh. There's a restaurant in Portland, Maine that's uh, was there. duck fat. Yeah. I was there. Duck fat. That's the fucking was... name of the restaurant. And, and the, best part about it, the best part about it was we get up in our hotel room and I look out the window and I'm like, that's the fucking restaurant. It was, I could see it from my window, drooling, licking the glass. <laughs> and you know what? It was everything I thought it would be. Were you like a lot that of good meat? restaurants in Portland? I, I had a great time when I went up there. Yeah, so I got to get back there. Steve, were you like that meme of Andrew Cuomo looking into people's houses? Yes. about ten people or more. <laughs> Dude, I, I laugh every time. Every time there was a picture of. I haven't I think seen it, that yet. I got There's a there's a local restaurant here in Lindenhurst that uh, they have partitions along the bar. Yes, and they every partition has. Like just this. A cut out of Cuomo. Just a sticker on there the glass go. of Cuomo looking at you with his big ghouly eyes. It's hysterical. That's fucking great. It made me laugh so hard. I was That's sitting good. on my couch last night just scrolling through. I went, this is the best thing ever. I want it on my car. 
I, I want it in my classroom so the kids know. And I'll just point to it. I'll be like, dude, Andrew Cuomo's watching you. Stop it. Just perfect. stop it. The governor is watching. I, I listen, I, I'm in quarantine, so I can't partake in anything. <laughs> I am completely locked down until December. Uh, but I can imagine people being you know, really offended by that. On top of it, though, stuff is getting real. So everyone, you know, let's let's try to do the best we can here to, to allow everything to continue to keep operating. Because, Paul, you opened in July of 2019. This has been probably the, sh- the shittiest 10 months, possibly. How has the business been going through all of this? What, what has been working? What hasn't been working? What have you adopted to? What have you fixed to make work now? Uh, well, I mean, we're, we're fortunately we're hanging in. Uh, I think we're doing better than some. We're not doing the business we had anticipated. Uh, you know, at this point, I was hoping to finally quit my the four hours a day I'm working still part time. But I'm fortunate to have that still. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say that could have gone away, but good, good for you. You still got that. But um, you know, it's become fortunately because we're so small, our overhead is lower than like I think about these big places. I my heart breaks for them. Yeah. Um, we're also already geared up for takeout because we were 16 seat restaurants, and we were never gonna fit. More than you can't make your money on yeah full full restaurants right? yeah full full tables sure but at the same time I mean the the stuff that be packaged up easily to go right so, you know, people come in they grab a couple cans or get a growler and go they call now well since you know March people would call up we bring it out curbside bring it to them I still have some older clientele that they're coming inside bring it out to the car so it's just some of this type of business, some of that, you just do multiple ways of trying to make it happen. We we're fortunate to be able to, uh, the town let us take over two parking spots right in front. Without yeah. We have a heater, but you know, it's just dark and cold and <laughs> wet and nobody wants to be out there. The uh, I think that's one of the good things about businesses like yours. I mean, as much as you have adopted the, the awfulness of what it is, it works because like you said, you have a small overhead. You have already prepackaged food to go. You have beer to go. At this point, you're basically geared for quarantine and COVID. <laughs> yeah. You were built to survive this sort of uh, moment in time. So I'm I'm really glad that's the case. That's that's really helpful to to be that kind of business model. When things open back up, do you see yourself changing it back a little bit, or what would be the future looking at? You know, things that you can. Uh, do differently or things that you'd want to do differently? I, I think like anything else, you can plan for what you want to do, but you have to adapt to whatever the circumstances are. So we're just going to take it as it comes. I mean, nobody really knows. Yes, it's very encouraging that there is these vaccines that there is news of with high, you know, supposed success rates, but have they tested on enough people to really know when is the vaccines really going to get out to everybody? And as we know, a lot of people won't even take them. So, you know, we just have to hope for the best, plan for the worst, and uh, adapt to each day as it comes. Adapt and overcome. I think, uh, I think Paul, the reason for that is a lot of people have seen that Will Smith movie, I Am Legend. Ah. And they're a little reluctant to yeah. take something that's untested. I actually signed up for the trial. Oh, did you? Yeah, through, uh, through uh, Northrop uh, Langoon, which was uh, Winthrop. Yeah. And uh, I signed up for it. 
they're supposed to get back to me whether they could use me or not. And, uh, and I, we talked about the other night. That's not specific to any any uh, pharmaceutical company, right? It's yeah, whoever it's, it's, whoever whoever it's Langone like, Health can partner with to perform yep. the study. And you could be part of the placebo green, yes. uh, part, right? So you would never even know. There are, there are three levels. The first level is it's only a couple of hundred people, mm-hmm. and they're actually testing to see whether it works. Okay. Then the second one is dosing. They see if, all right, it's working, but what is the right dosage to give people? And okay. then the final one, which is a broad scan of about 10,000 people, is looking for just some side effects. Right. Right. So, so when you have diarrhea and uh, your eye left eye is bleeding severely, yeah, when you you left, I'll eye take that over COVID. <clears throat> but I don't have COVID, so right, yeah, but yeah, I mean you have diarrhea, but we we all have diarrhea every now and then. Well, Steve, Steve being Polish, you probably get diarrhea from the placebo. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just water, and you get diarrhea. I don't feel good. It's killing me. <laughs> That's an interesting. I mean. It, Interesting enough that you guys were able to joke like that. Uh, Steve, what was your first uh, kind of dealings with Paul? And you, and as your brewery started up, you know, Paul was here for a little bit. What, what was the first kind of intermingling within the uh, background brewers, you know, green room and all these beer fests and all these places? How, how did that relationship that. I want to intermingle up? with this fucking Weizenbach. <laughs> Is- wow. Delicious. Yes. All right. That's my Sorry. next one. By I the way, I started off with the Weizenbach because I'm like, I got to have it. So it's very good. I really, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul, and I go back a long ways. I remember being at a, um, it was out in Rocky Point, and it was like one of the first or second Rocky Point artisan cast fest, and it was in, um, what the hell's the place? Yes. Deck. Restaurant deck. And uh, it was only like a couple of breweries that were probably was the only one that was actually licensed to brew. And then it was Port Jeff and mm-hmm. myself. And uh, like I had people come over and go, Hey, uh, yeah. Hey, I own a bar. I'm like, don't talk to me yet. Talk to the man <laughs> at the end. Talk to Paul. He's, a He's been doing it. He actually, he does this professionally. We're getting there, but, uh, but I leaned on Paul so many times for questions and he never once uh wavered he tried to help me as much as possible he and i just wish he would have said don't do it he never said that to me um but uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah we cut we kind of hit it off and uh you know again i would i would just question after question he never once well, you know, not even would get like, can't, you know, just leave me alone or would just ghost me for a little bit. It was always like, hey, this is try this, go here, use this, it, you know, call this. So um, I actually tried to do that down the road. I tried to pay that back. And, I, and I, hopefully I did with a bunch of brewers. Hold on, we have uh, breaking news, breaking news. Um, we get in a uh, report in from uh, one of our res- uh, correspondents in the field. Uh, hey, Gor- in Boston Seaport burned down? No, no, no. no. <laughs> what a goddamn shame. All right. I was hopeful there for a minute. Sorry. We have our uh, reporter on. reporter in the field, Anthony Graziday, uh, says that it's been reported that uh, Steve 
has uh, grown a third ball from these COVID trials. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that. We haven't even started with them yet. Right. Well, well either way. Just, that's how bad they are. That's it's how just terrible the that I already grew a third ball. And Besides if you look on my back, I got a nubbin. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's nothing but uh, tracking on the taint. That's it. Just like yes. farm tracking, like a backhoe. Has been like trying to get the gold from the bedrock kind of tracking. Uh, hey, Paul, what, what about you? What was your first experience with Steve? Were you turned off, turned on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he hated me, especially when he found out I was a Polak. <laughs> yeah, no, Steve, Steve was, was always, I mean, to know Steve is to love Steve. I mean, that's that, that is true. I think anybody who, who has ever had any interactions with Steve, so. Uh, you know, I felt very fortunate to uh, to get to know him. I mean, um, and he and I know he's definitely passed it on because, as far as you know, you that's the community at, at its best. Is you know, you it's a friendly competition. It's not an antagonistic competition. Everybody wants everybody to, for the most part, everybody wants everybody to succeed. Um, what, what did Sam Kelly generally say? The craft brewery community is 99% asshole free. Yep. <laughs> now it's about 97.5. Yeah. This, this slight trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Still, the, still the numbers on the uh, asshole uh, tracking app that I've been watching have been, <laughs> been pretty good for the last few months. Yeah, obviously, Steve's a great guy, and he's a funny guy, and he's a creative guy, and, and he's one of the best brewers I've I've ever ever known. Um. Oh, there you go. What a what a nice thing. I I was gonna say, you know, for the most part, it, it feels like over the last you know decade or so that uh, craft brewers have learned from their successors, right? I mean, so you know, like Steve said, asking you questions, finding out, picking your brain, and I'm sure Steve can attest to many, many, many people in the industry asking him the same questions yep. now, and then those people that are established from those questions are being asked from the, even the newer generation that's what i'm saying going back to like gen one you were one of the ones the first nano here on long island that really started the trend of having that small spot uh such a cult following at the farmer's market such a huge uh difference from you know even blue point having things like toasted lager but then you're doing a basil beer that just people well, are like duh this is the end i gotta ask him now are you gonna do Vlad the inhaler mm. and there right? it is and there there's the one That's i was getting the to one, the first time i drank that beer i was wait wait I, I tell you where i was at i was at the great south bay festival it, you had it at the great south bay festival and i forget which one it was the the, the one with the gray shirt <laughs> i remember by by uh the 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 apparel because i bought one every year that was the one where i went oh what the fuck is this and there were other breweries at that time out doing some stuff differently. That one that I had at that brew at Brewfest was for me, one of the ones that really put you on the map for me. And then I started really paying attention. What, what is Vladin? Tell, tell the audience, what, what is that? So okay. people get an idea. Uh, being, being of, of half Polish heritage, that was a, a real passion project because I had read about this obscure style that had pretty much died out even in Poland called Brzezinski. Mm. Uh, Association tried to call it a Grazer, but then we pushed back on that. It's Brzezinski again. 
Um, it was basically it's a smoked wheat beer, Ooh. and it's unlike other beer, other wheat beers like a Hefeweizen is like at most fifty percent wheat, fifty percent barley. This is one hundred percent wheat if you do it the traditional way. I had a problem with the um, Treasury Department. I remember this. Remember you telling me this story, bro. Wait, wait, wait. What? Because you have to get label approval from the feds for anything that you put out. So I. So, so like, like bottle labels you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. And then, and if it looks like something weird about it, they'll say, "Well, we need, we need to see." They call it a formula, your recipe. Okay. So I had to submit the recipe, and it was all wheat brewed over. I mean, smoked over oak, which I would smoke at the brewery. Huh. I got. What's weird about that? here's the part that gets a little yeah so anyway so so uh, i got a phone call from uh, a gentleman from the treasury department with a very deep uh ominous voice and he said we got a problem and i'm thinking oh what what did i do what didn't i do or you know i got the jail what happened but the problem is the the federal definition of beer is that it contains barley and hops mm-hmm I had no barley in that beer. So I said, so how much, how much barley do I need to put in there? He goes, eh, just enough. <laughs> did, you, that did, mean? did you salt bay it in? <laughs> or just sprinkle it in? Salt bay. All I did was I had like, you know, 200 pounds of wheat and one, one pound bag from the home. Uh, parts in East Northwood of Munich malt. I cut that open, put that in. <laughs> put in one, one or two little grains of and be good. There you go, Treasury Department. Take that. Yeah, because I think I think originally the label said 100% wheat. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So why would, why would the Treasury Department have well, something to say about that? TTB. Yeah, the TTB is part of the Treasury Department. TTB being Tax and Trade Bureau used to be alcohol firearms and it's the umbrella the of all of those fun. other things yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> alcohol tobacco and firearms yeah, yeah, yeah. AKA the department of fun. all of which sounds fantastic by the way i love the it's name actually of now that. alcohol tobacco firearms and explosives yeah, so the fun keeps Even, going it keeps going Absolutely. next thing i i can't wait till they do something else and like um what nukes. would be the next thing nukes now well that marijuana yeah, that's going to be in there. Well, that's part of the the FDA, I guess, Food and I Drug know. Administration. But they'll they'll mesh you, that. You can hope. Food, yeah, food, alcohol, <laughs> firearms, explosives, and drugs. Boom. Maybe yeah. Sounds like my <laughs> Saturday night. You high or go boom. Yeah. <laughs> or at the same time, that's fine. So, so yeah, to answer Steve's question, I, I'm 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 planning on bringing it again next year. Uh, I haven't bringing a long time because it's a lot. Because I'm smoking all the the wheat myself. Yep. Yeah, you are. That sounds labor intensive. <laughs> so, but anyway. how does, wait, how does that work? That's also so you, not something we we find a lot uh, on no. Island. Small brewers doing uh, nobody malts. Nobody does a beer like that. What's the process the of What's the process of smoking that? Is it in a kiln? Are you? Are it's like a a Dutch pizza oven? How I'm serious. How is that working? Yeah. So if you picture like one of those like smokers, it looks like a like a locker, a big rectangular thing. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then I've got stainless steel mesh baskets, and I put the barley or the wheat in there, and put some wood in there and light it up. And what what are, what are you using for incendiary? Are you using coal? Are you using wood? What what and what kind of wood? If that 
and then there'll be different woods. Like the Vlad the inhaler, I use oak. Okay. The hell smoke, which you may be trying a little bit later, I, I used to use a combination of apple wood and alder wood, but I switched mm. to apple wood. Um, uh, old Walt is a wit beer. I smoke uh, some of the wheat, but it's just a little bit of the wheat is smoked, as opposed to so it's a, probably the least smoky beer that I do. Oh. Uh, I took a brown ale. I smoke some of the uh, barley over uh, hickory. So. And how would this differ from like a, a Rauch beer? I'm probably butchering that. Is yeah. is a smoked beer, right? How how are like how does that differ from from it's these that you're doing? Similar concept, but you know, if you're going to go according to style guidelines, uh, a, a German Rausch beer is typically um, beechwood. Ah, so it's just a type of wood that you like. Okay, yeah. and so, you can you can buy smoked grains more. You can, but he's actually doing it himself. Yeah, yeah. You get the flavor that he's looking to impart, and that's why that Vlad the inhaler. I mean. I still remember the very first time I had it. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm drinking liquid bacon or, or <laughs> kielbasa. It What's was it? just... And then we did that radio show. We did the radio show, uh, WHEM. Yeah. And we were there with, uh, before Pat Gata had opened up North Fork Bacon. And... and I'm sorry. Back you, up. Yeah, are you citing... Uh, North Fork uh, Bacon? I, I need more information. Well, it's closed. It it Fuck. was a barbecue place uh, out east, um, like I want to say by Miller Place towards the Hamptons. And uh, Pat Gator was, he had a great, great barbecue place. And he came into, we did a radio show, uh, Anthony, uh, W-H-E-M. W-H-E-M. H-E-M. And we're back. And uh, he had us on. It was me, Paul. Pat from North Fork Bacon and Dave Schultz of Bellport Dave. Hey, Dave's cold oh, beer and, and soda. And, and Pat whips out this griddle and starts cooking bacon. And one of it was duck bacon. Mm. So he had duck bacon here regularly. And it was unbelievable. And of course, Paul brings Vlad the inhaler. And I'm just, I'm putting the bacon in the beer. I'm just drinking it like that. I'm like, this is. This is heaven for me. Like a, like a Bloody Mary. You should have brought like skewered uh, shrimp, garlic shrimp. It was. So then what happens is another company that's there that's doing like organic bagels. So what do we do? We take the bagels, cut them and put them into bacon fat and put them on the grill. It was. Oh, I imagine all of that making me have diarrhea the next day, but still yeah. enjoying oh, it. Totally all. worth it. Absolutely. It was so worth it. Absolutely. And, and then so my, my wife is asking me. Yeah, I would be embarrassed. No. no. No, I would be though. No. Well, so good. So good. That all that all sounds delicious. Is is the smoking process though, it, it, does that kind of take away from the brewing process at all or I mean I, I guess in time I'm saying, not in taste, but yeah. in time, what is the time period that you're smoking the barley or the wheat? It's it's pretty much the better part of a day. You yeah, know, about going and are done. But yeah, so that's why I haven't done the Vlad in a while because it's not just one more thing to do, but with Vlad being that I need to smoke all of the all the mold. I just have to decide what day to get it done. I mean, you would so have like to have for, a big enough for a smoker. three barrel batch of that. Like, how many pounds of how many pounds of wheat is that? I think it's like close to two hundred. Yeah. Holy. Wow. And like, and in your smoker, how many how many pounds of malt can you? Smoke like seven. Time? 
Jesus Christ. Okay. No, that, it makes sense. That, that, that all, yeah. Better part of the day. I mean, that sounds like a once a year beer. What's the length of smoke? What's the what's the length of time that each batch is sitting in the smoker? A couple a couple of hours, you know. It, uh, and and another thing is, what this part's hard to to dial in is the humidity of the day. Mm. It changed the quality of of ah. And it's yeah. based on what you're saying. Like if you have 200 pounds of of, of wheat, and you can only do like set, like that's not something you can do in one day either. Like that's. You have yeah. to plan for like a week to fucking smoke smoke well, all that. Weed. That's what I that's what I was getting at. That, that's <laughs> yeah. a tremendous amount of time Jeez. into the brewing process to, to the pre production that's involved before you even get to actually brewing. Before you even turn the fucking kettle on. The day job, like don't feel good. It's a calling. It's like man, yeah, I, I got it. I got a cough from the smoke. I mean. Uh, <laughs> They just hear it raging in the background. What's that sound? Is your house on fire? Nah, nah, that's good. I'm good. The uh, the, the the thing that I I've known you for is that smoke. Every time that I associate a smoked beer, I think of you. I really do. From from Vlad to some of the other ones like the smoke porter that we have tonight, um, it's one of the things that you're known for. Was that a conscious effort to kind of say I like the idea of smoked beers? Yeah, because I like it. Yeah. No, I, and, it, and, yeah. it wasn't a business decision. It wasn't like, oh, <laughs> it's a great market opportunity because there's, you know, 0.3% <laughs> like smoke beers. So I'm going to get that niche. <laughs> I, I, I always I remember having conversations <laughs> with Paul about the beer because I love that beer so much. I was like, and he's like, oh, no, you'd be surprised. People are like, what is this? This is the most god awful thing I ever drank in my life. This is horrendous. Why would you make it? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like heaven. This is everybody likes it. So, Peter, I can see. I just had my first taste of the uh, Weizenbach. Fucking good, right? Holy shit! Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! Yep. Um, I I I know Peter's. Uh, he actually uh, said palette. it yesterday. Pete Pete looked at me. He was like, "Holy shit! This Weizenbach is really." I'm like, "Yep." That yeah. is, I mean, you want to lob a 20-foot uh, arc over the plate for Pete? That is the one. Yeah. That is the one that <laughs> he's probably kicking himself right now that he didn't take an entire fort back home over this because it is I like it. Well, really, just, really good. Why? I so, to go there again, that's all. Yeah. Well, mm, um, when I get out of quarantine, hmm, we'll take a North Shore trip. We got plenty of places to hit up. Um. Talk to me about the the process of this Weizenbach because I'm having this style from you for the first time. What goes into creating this? Uh, and I would say it's a traditional German style, correct? Yeah. So yeah. what went into this process? Well, uh, it's your first time drinking it. This is the first time I ever brewed this style. Oh uh, shit! Are you kidding me? No, no. So wow. Like, I tried some different things this year. I, I I never brewed any Bach beers, so I began the year with a double Bach. Then in the warmer months, I had a Hellas box, and I thought a Weizen box for the fall would be nice. So the yes, it is. It's basically, uh, you know, the shorthand I give people in the in when they come in to try it and they don't have familiar with the style is I say, you know what a Hefeweizen is? So, yeah. So it's kind of like a, a maltier, higher alcohol, fuller bodied Hefeweizen. For, for want of, that's the shorthand, really. Right. And then. The, 
the brewing process is, is straightforward. You know, there's, there's a good amount of wheat. So like any beer that has a good percentage of wheat, you want to put rice hulls in there, which don't add anything flavor-wise, but it helps with, uh, it, you want you don't want to call a stuck mash where things can get all kind of gummy and then the liquid doesn't really flow through into the, into the brew kettle. So otherwise you just, you know, and then you just ferment it at the proper temperature and uh, keep the yeast happy and then the yeast will give you some. What uh, are we using? Any uh, German style hops? Are we using noble hops? What's going into that? Hops on this one were New York State grown, but a um, Pearl, P E R L E, is the variety, which is sort of like a German variety, but it was grown upstate. Yeah. We and then all that in a lot of German styles. If it's grown here, is it still considered a noble hop? I guess if the strain is, is there. The strain um, would be considered noble. Um, I'm I'm a peasant. I don't really want for the noble. <laughs> we can only get some. I have some more noble hops. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, it's, it's pressed. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Come see the violent inherent of the system. Come <laughs> see the violent inherent of the system. Yep. Well, Gets the reference. I in a holy grail, baby. I mean, we need, <laughs> I, I wish I, I need some more of those on my soundboard because I have a lot of current stuff. But there's so much stuff that I, I know in my back of my brain that I wish I had quotables. Uh, the, so people traditionally associate Bach with a higher alcohol percentage yeah. as opposed to Hefeweizen. So right. the, the Bach element, you know, matches. Was it 7.8, 7, somewhere in there? 7.8. Yeah. And so then yeah, it's just a matter sense. of just using the German style ingredients to kind of match the flavor profile. Right, right. And again, all New York State grown. Uh, it's a Pilsner malt, which is how the. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. the malt. So how they'll, they'll, so. And again, New York State malt houses got better at it. Uh, and unfortunately, this is 1886, so I got to find another. Oh, balls. I, I, I wanted to ask you, Paul, have you uh, used any Long Island hops? You know, years ago, I used. Um, oh, Christ. Uh, what's his name? Winning River. Uh, Kanzella? Yeah, Kanzella. Yeah. Mm hmm. I just haven't reached, I haven't done good business reaching out with the, the different hot growers on the island. So. Do do the guys, and maybe you guys can uh, add to this, do the guys on Long Island have a reputation for growing hops that would traditionally sorry, have the, the flavor profile for those types of things? Well, it depends. You know, it's funny. Uh, like, Kinsella's been the one that's been around the longest a hop farms and he was like the first one to bring an actual hop harvester to long island actually i had given he had done a kickstarter and i had given to it uh because i wanted him to you know do this because he could pelletize it and instead of sitting out in the field for days trying to harvest the hops it would one day and he could harvest you know acres and acres um and he but he was doing traditional he was doing cascade and and you know stuff like that yeah. Um, some of the other guys like 27A, um, not 27A, 27 Hemp Farm. Hemp yep. Uh, you know, they well, now the Hemp Farm. Route 27A. Route 27. Route 27. 27 Hop and Hemp Farm. There you go. Um, yeah, they were doing some bunch of different uh, hop varieties other than Cascade and Centennial and uh, Fuggle. You know, they were, they were doing Whoa, some. Oh, watch your language, sir. That's right. Fuggle, fuggle. 
Uh, but there's a few other farms out out east, North Fork, um, and you know they're growing their own hops. And nobody realize well, not a lot of people realize, but uh, way back when, when before prohibition, New York State was the number one producer of hops in the United yes. States. Yes, they the one find wild hops growing in like farmland that's been abandoned, and they don't know what what variety they are, but they're prevalent and uh i mean before prohibition there were two 200 breweries just in new york city alone yeah. so well one of the things we learned when we were talking to uh our buddy um beer practice um is when he did his show on ah uh, what was it it was pbs, uh, PBS is brewed in new Matt york Archambault. my i know it's matt Archambault, but i was just calling out his instagram handle so everyone got Matt. it because I'm, we're now going live on Instagram for a little bit. Um, basically, you know what we what we found is that there are so so much rich history involved with New York State and oh, the yeah. brewing process between the malt, the hops, and everything else. That it's such a a huge, long standing tradition to have that stuff in in New York. That's what really kind of got me, um, you know, interested in, in a little more of looking into how New York State really does kind of help supply um, a lot of what's going on and, and allow the governor to then put in these regulations for licensing and things like that, because there was such a very large history of that. I think it's a, a great idea to, to kind of revisit that history and re-earth. We were talking to him. He was remember he was discussing how they were going to these places in the back of like a shed and finding like these hops that were just wildly growing up in New York state and, and finding that these things are linked to some of the same genus or species of stuff that's growing out on the West coast. It's crazy what was going on up in New York state for a long time. Sorry. That's all I had to say. Yeah, so good. <laughs> but the, 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 the prevalent hop that was grown back pre prohibition of New York was, uh, and a lot of these wild hops that kind of mutated are mutations of, cluster but they've taken on you know different much different characteristics yeah yeah i mean over time obviously wildly grown is going to take on a different you know flavor profile and things like that but i mean just the tradition of it we we probably should really go back and revisit what um you know what was there we could probably get back to this traditional new york state only thing and i think that would help out your farm license too to have ingredients that would allow you to then brew at 100% and continue to brew at 100% and still have the taste profile that people in New York State would enjoy. You know, it's it's interesting too. I think it's right now, and it's been for a while, it's the malt that's the hard thing. Uh, hops are kind of been around for a little while. Hop yeah. farmers upstate in the Hudson Valley, and um, and now they're, they're better at packaging. You know, now they're, instead of fresh hops, now you know the pelletizing and 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 flushing them with nitrogen and and so they last a little longer. Yeah. I don't like I don't almost like freeze drying, right? Problem. I mean, it's pretty much like a freeze drying of it. Oh, uh, nitrogen is better than uh, trying to like put CO two in it or anything like that. It it flushes anything out that might degrade the hop, uh, where it would lose some of its luster, so to speak. Mm. Uh, and then vacuum seal them. The advantage that the hop growers have had is it's a basically a vertical crop. Yeah. So the amount of land that you need versus yeah. 
growing barley or wheat, which is all, you know, you need acres and acres and acres. You know, you can have a relatively, you know, a couple of acres, three acres of a hop yard. Yep. Um, because everything is so going up like 15 feet up into the air, at least you've got, you know, you can maximize the land as far as, you know, how much land you're, you're dedicating to that one crop. Yeah. Cause it's vertical instead of horizontal kind of growing. So. Hey, Paul, I, I, you know what, we've never had this discussion before. And I usually ask this question every show uh, to, the, to the, yes, uh, it's, do you have any naked pictures of me still? And, uh, <laughs> have back? Paul, Paul, shaved or unshaved? I, 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 inquiring minds want to know. Uh, no, uh, what questions are, it's, it's a, a three part question. Mm. First one is, uh, what is the beer that got you into craft beer, drinking craft beer? What was that one beer you had? back when that you said, Oh my God, you know, what is this? Mm-hmm. Two is what's your favorite style that you like to drink. Yeah. And then the third part is what is the beer that you would drink now? Other than the, something you brew, what would you drink? What you want to write those down really quick? Cause he asks a lot of questions at once. Do you have the Jeopardy theme song on the soundboard? No, but I, da, da, no. I have, I, I have this just to kind of show like, that's a lot of questions. I, I did not like beer growing up. That's uh, how to work. You know, Budweiser. Um, I was working in New York City in the 80s and went out with a bunch of people. And he was like, okay, I guess I got to get a beer. Oh, boy. And, but they had a neon in the window for Anchor Steam. Nice. I see Anchor because I like Popeye. So that. that <laughs> 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 and I had. First sip of anchor steam, and, and that was that was you know the veil is lifted, and oh my god, what is this kind of? A thing? And um, I've been fortunate to have anchor steam in San Francisco where it's fresher. You know, my memory of it is uh, when I first have it. Whenever I have it, I don't think it gets that. It's shipping and all that across the country, and the way it's packed, I don't think it does it justice. Um, but anyway. Uh, maybe just being on draft was better too. Anyway, but it was that was amazing. The second question was what? What's your favorite yeah, exactly. style? Our favorite style? I don't know if I have a. You know, it depends on on my mood. What's going on? You know, I like. It's like, what's your favorite food? Okay, well, I like sushi, but I also like pizza. So you know, it, it, how do you pick? You know, what are you in the mood for? Okay. What's your favorite summer beer then? Summer beer? I got into Berliner Weiss this past year. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Popularity. I finally brewed one and I was like, oh, I actually like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think in the summertime, the Berliner. Yeah. Uh, I, I love a good uh, fruited uh, tart beer. That's for sure. We fucking know you do. You and I your know. goddamn sour IPAs. Yes. Yeah. I, we, lo- we, I was going to get you the fruit beer, uh, fruit, fruit bat. That Paulie does, and we wind up just getting the same beers. So that's all right. I, listen, I like I said to me the the the, the sours, the fruits are are like the summer thing. I'm yeah. now into darker beers. I've been I loaded up on my black IPAs and my porters and stuff like that. That's that's what I'm into right now. It, it, my same thing like Paul. My tastes have now varied with the seasons. It's just the way I guess the Northeast is with the changing of the seasons. I associate good dark beers as the the tide changes and it, it works for me very well yeah and 
the last question was uh, what other than your own beer, what would your like if you had a choice to have a beer right now? Hold on, before you answer that, we're getting a uh, communique via Instagram. Uh, Jordan three twenty nine says hops were such a big New York State money crop in the early nineteenth century. He actually has a picture of a historical marker uh, of what it was. I guess he has some information. So Jordan R three twenty nine. Go ahead that's and Jordan, uh, that's Jordan Romano. Oh, there you go, Jordan Romano. What's up, buddy? Uh, Jordan is, ever- is actually uh, we. we Ran into him yesterday oh, at San okay. City. Oh, okay, at San City, right. Yeah, San City. He's actually the, uh, the brand ambassador for uh, Harborhead now. Yeah, you yeah. go. Love the boys over at Harborhead. Will and- Brewed IPA, and, and, all well, the things. We'll just say Will, not Dave anymore, but Will is is a good friend of the show, man. He's always been a big, big proponent of our show. Um, but basically, if you have any of those pictures, send them over to me. We'll, we'll post them and, and, and throw them up there. So take a picture and send up. Sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Jordan is a big history guy. I, I yes. That's awesome. I love history of Long Island and New York State in general. I, I seek that out as a teacher of audio production. One of the things I really love talking about is how Tesla and Marconi had such big hopes for what was going on. When we talked to uh, Jamie over at uh, St. James and we went into history, I think we spent an hour just on history because I just love talking about those kind of nostalgic things that happened here on Long Island. Such rich history we as as an american uh nation we don't have the history that like europe has when you go over to europe everything is fucking old as shit but here in america we got to like hold on to like the last 50 to 70 years because it's just so important to us and when he talks about ships that sunk or when we have you know people uh traveling out on long island railroad to to arrest people from the german intelligence in world war ii it's just freaking cool to me man i love that kind of stuff okay paul so what's the beer you would go to <laughs> you guys don't like history that's a dick move yeah yeah yeah. uh there i i, I feel terrible i'm drawing a blank on the name of the brewery there's a smoke double box from germany uh which um if I had like one, if I had, if I knew I was dying and I could have one beer, mm. I would do that before I go. Mm. That's cool. a good way of looking at it. I like it. Ah, the Amagasset Saboteurs. Look at, look at Jordan coming in with the fucking real deal history shit. Jordan, if, if you've ever seen Jordan will post, uh, you, you see those markers, those historical markers on the island. He'll go there and he'll like, write a whole thing about that's fucking hey cool. this is what the fuck happened this is real shit this is that that listen I, i'm i'm already a, a huge fan of jordan r329 on instagram so thank <laughs> you very much jordan because you and i are going to just discuss local history like a bunch of nerds for a and, long time and, and jordan's a, a, a beer whore oh he, <laughs> lo- he loves craft beer man cool we'll, 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 we'll keep him in the loop from now on maybe we'll have him on the show one day when we're talking uh we're talking real, uh, you know, beer and history. We'll get them back on. In a, in a previous life, I was a cartoonist, and I did a weekly cartoon about Long Island history. For get out of here. Yeah. Did you? What, 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 uh, what publication did you do it for? Oh, it was like these weekly papers that were published. All of them were published out of me, all of the, you know, like the Art City, whatever this, and the Plain View that. You know, it was like these little weekly papers. That's pretty cool. I, my wife worked there about a decade here. ago. Uh God, it starts with an A? I don't know. Anton. Anton. Anton, Anton Publishing. Wow. Yes. That's pretty cool. There's a good tie-in. 
Nicely done. <laughs> um, I just have to drop her off there every <laughs> Monday. <laughs> uh, DWI or just? Yeah, no, Terry's <laughs> huge lush. Uh, so, you know. So about that. Uh, Paul, also, I, I meant to ask you yesterday, is uh, is Regina still growing a, a good amount of, uh, you know, the vegetables and, and a lot of like, I know she was doing basil and parsley and, and all that for the shop. She's still doing it? She's growing a lot of the herbs that we use to cook with and some of that ends up in the beer as well, like the basil. Um, That's fucking cool. Uh, you know, she doesn't really have a lot of land to grow on these days yeah. at one point. But um, we, as far as like bigger things, like when I, when I need sweet potatoes or potatoes with a potato stout, we've been lately been dealing with um, uh, Dan and uh, Carolyn Fanning. They're in Bethpage. Uh, the old Beth, it's not part of the old Bethpage Restoration Village where people dress up old timey. Yep. To, to that, they've got a, an organic farm and farm stand and uh, CSA, and they're great people and they grow everything organic and delicious and. Oh, cool. Our, the bigger stuff that we need but yeah. i'm uh, i'm pretty familiar with that my uh one of the uh teachers in my building that does photography goes up to old beth page restoration village and they're able to get you know obviously the 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 traditional historic pictures but then they actually travel out to the the area farms in the local area to take you know, really cool shots and stuff like that of the the local land and it's it's a freaking cool concept that they have going on out there it's like beth page nassau county built up you know kind of yeah. urban it's a suburban area and here you are having potato farms here you are having local ingredients being grown in mass quantities for local distribution it's really very cool nassau county used to be all they used to call them truck farms because they would grow cabbages and potatoes and then truck them into the city uh all of levittown was potato fields potato yeah. fields, uh, back in the day yeah, I had, a, I had a buddy that grew up in Levittown and um, had a bunch of, like, he thought it was weeds in his backyard. Meanwhile, it was aliens. old, yeah, no, and aliens, uh, potato seeds, yeah, uh, stuff that would still grow, uh, you know, year after year. It was uh, not annuals, perennials that mm -hmm. would keep growing. So, like, the seeds they would cut down, I guess it would then germinate germinate in the ground and then the following year there'd be more and he's like i can't get rid of these things and meanwhile he'd pull them up you know late october and all of a sudden it's freaking potatoes it's crazy that's cool yeah no it was all potato fields in fact i grew up in levittown the street i grew up in was russet lane so uh mm. that tells you all he needs to right there. <laughs> he was over on regent just so you know regent okay the r section they got created yep. I don't even name it. Raspberry, Return, Region, Rusted. Yep. I got Rusted. But, uh, but it's it's freaking crazy how how no matter what nature is going to come back and and take over. Even if we're if we're all gone and we're all dissipated yep. uh, through whatever means necessary, the potatoes, the weeds, everything is going to just potatoes. take over. The potatoes. The potatoes. The hops. The naturally wild hops are just everything's going to overgrown, and all of a sudden we have back to. Uh, very easily locally sourced information or, or vegetables for that matter. Locally, locally sourced. Yeah, we have, um, in fact, again, Regina, we've got a little garden behind the bistro. So she does a lot of the herbs and uh, some vegetables back there. I and mean, she's actually teaching people how to grow things from seed for themselves, how to save seeds and do all that kind of stuff. She's doing it. Well, I got to, I got to, I got to speak to with, with Regina because 
I wanted to do a, a garden this past year and I never got around to it, but I wanted to, you know, start doing some stuff in the backyard. I got a nice size backyard and, um, Partly guide you. She's been she's been doing programs at a bunch of different libraries, uh, teaching people how to grow things, you know, to save seeds, grow things from seed, etc. The whole process. You know. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That it's good to hear that people are, are trying to kind of regenerate the next generation of things that are to come. Yeah. Because I mean, honestly, when things go south, and they will eventually go south, we're going to rely on heavily the hyper local food sources that are here. Yeah. Or yourself. Yeah. yeah I mean, particularly think Long Island, everything has to get trucked here, you know, not to sound like a prepper, but you know, <laughs> but you should, we you should be island. prepping. We, we are, are an island. island. Yeah. We are an island. Yeah. When shit goes down, you need a boat and you need food. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, uh, Pete is now pouring the, the smoked porter. Let's get into that a little bit. Cause I'm almost done with my, uh, it my box here. Dank as fuck. Yeah. Oh fuck! I got yeah. up. I got up that quick. I I I'm really interested in in the process. So obviously we talked a lot about the smoking element of this. By the way, the boys over at Squarehead Brewery are checking in, saying, "What's up?" Hey. The boys. Cheers. Uh, dude, they um, they they've had some really great things going on recently too, and that that scene out in Holbrook has been fantastic. And by the way, while we're mentioning other breweries. Uh, big shout out to 27A, my locally sourced small nano brewery. Um, uh, you know, recently they came out with a couple of really great brews, and uh, I was like, you know what, you guys have uh, upped your game, and I'm in. I'm in. All, I'm all in. So thank God I can walk to your brewery, <laughs> and and uh, it makes it nice. But that doesn't mean I'm I'm gonna only stay in my local area. I'm gonna travel, baby. I'm yeah, going wait everywhere. till Sand City opens the south. Oh my God, I'm gonna lose every red cent I have. It's Dude, just just seeing like so we went there after we were at uh, at Paul's uh, Paul's place yesterday, mm. and just like how fucking tiny that place is. Like it's the the tap room's like the size of my kitchen, <laughs> and, and they're, they're gonna open up in an abandoned CVS. Yeah, it it, it's that shit. And they finished the the. Um, the, the little patio, patio yeah, area that they have. Yeah. So it's going to be a really cool spot. And they painted the building finally. So now it actually has that sand city blue on there, which by the way, they should definitely uh, copyright the sand city blue. Cause they have that very distinct, like Navy blue feel to it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, again, and, and as Paul knows, you know, it's all about that, that hyper local area. So all the people in the town, all the people in your area, all the people in your neighborhood should be going to your local brewery. That's what should be happening because that's the place where the, the camaraderie begins, where the, the neighborhood actually becomes a neighborhood again, uh, where the people actually are visiting the places that should be. And of course, if you're going to go out and you're going to travel and you're going to you know seek out some new stuff, definitely go to these places. But, you know, definitely at the same time, give that local feel to it. You gotta, you gotta keep these places in business. Cause when this shit is over, you're going to want them back in your town. And if they didn't survive this wave of craziness, you're going to have a really tough time finding a good brewery around the area. You know, uh, I knew if, when you started talking about local guys, one question we forgot to ask Paul that mm. probably a lot of people don't know is, where the actual name for 
the brewery came from. It was one of my funny questions I was going to ask. Remember, I told you at the beginning of the show, where did you, Paul, where did you get the concept of the blind bat name and logo and all that good stuff? Okay. Uh, it, it's pretty simple. I'm, I'm colorblind and nearsighted. <laughs> and it was just a play on how during Prohibition, uh, Speakeasy was either called a blind tiger or a blind pig. Yep. Mm. Blind pig, ah. A blind pig would be like a lower class establishment where a blind tiger would be like, you know, more of the, the upper class type of speakeasy. My original idea, I drew, I drew this tiger and then I realized, oh, wait a minute, there's the blind tiger ale house and uh, uh, there was already a brewery in Indiana called blind tiger. So I figured I had to come up with another blind something and they just, just a play on my poor eyesight. <laughs> now with that though, <laughs> you were able to get uh, this concept because we were supposed to have the guys from the, um, conservatory over at the the back conservatory that's and bruise that's and bruise they they uh, end up not having the time tonight to be with us they were going to be on with us you were able to really establish a nice relationship with that and kind of formulate this like really cult following of a festival a very small festival with them give us a little background on that and how that came to be that was really just kind of serendipity you know who's talking to who uh, Regina was working with, uh, with a, uh, a local guy in, in South Huntington. His family had a nursery they were turning into a farm, and he hired her to be his farmer. And he was friends with uh, this guy who was doing the education program to speak up. And he said, oh, we're doing this bats and brews thing. And so this guy, Larry, said, well, her husband's got a brewery called Blind Bat, so you have to so. That first year, it was me, and then there was, uh, I think, a waiter from Black Forest was pouring their beer, and then there was some sales rep from Brooklyn. So that that was it. It was just the three of us the first year. Yeah. Um, Regina remembers the year. I don't remember the year, but uh, anyway. And then, and then it's grown into this really awesome. It's like one of the best. You know, I like it because it's the smaller festivals that are for a cause, and it's a manageable size in that you can have conversations with people as opposed yeah. to lines of people just, you know, putting And they're not looking to get destroyed. Huh? They're not looking to get destroyed in Hammond. They're there for to enjoy themselves. On their $50 ticket, like how much beer can I get? Yeah, it's like yeah. a gentleman's type of social gathering. And food and music, and it's just a really fun time. And then it helps this nature uh, conservatory. So, yeah, so it's good. But it was just you know, serendipity. And it really worked out for you because because bats and brews and blind bat brewing kind of works hand in hand. And it ended up really putting a name on the map and giving you that uh, kind of correlation between the two. It, it really worked out. And, and so when we were watching what was going on in the scene over the last few years, you know, that's something that we were drawn into. It kind of linked you with them. And at the same time, um, kind of kept that that I idea i guess of what's going on within the scene and what's going on in the industry alive here in new york a lot of brewers talk about how great that festival is it's one awesome. of those things like people go you gotta fucking go to that festival it's over so the last three so years too. people have been talking like you guys gotta go to this festival it, it's also nice for the for the brewers because you know we don't get to see each other that much because everybody's so busy and it's 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 just a really nice atmosphere and you get to 
have a good time with the the attendees, but you also get to catch up with brewers you haven't seen in a long time. And so that that's all nice. And it's not a shit show. Right. And I think that's where it stems from. I think it's a lot of the brewers that we talk to go, well, you haven't been to Bats and Brews yet? I mean, this is and where it's a great everything, course. all the networking happens. And this is where, you know, all the goodness is going on. So, you know, we've heard great things about it throughout the years. So it was one of those things that we're really interested in kind of bringing to light um, even more so to the conservatory to kind of bring a... Um, uh, some sort of, you know, a, 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 a eyes to it in a sense. And for event up here in, on the North Shore in Smithtown, Taps and Talents, uh, that helps uh, uh, us. Yes. Yeah, they, the, the Hawks, right? They had the Hawks on there? Yeah, yeah. They always do a, a release of an right. It's And Steve got to release one. Yep, yep. Uh, so that's really, that's also very similar in, in uh, it's a little smaller but very similar in spirit and feel. Yep. And a really good thing to do. So you keep your eye out for when we can gather again, both yep. taps and talents. The, um, there was a new one. Museum in Cold Spring Harbor. Yes. Uh, they start, they had their first little, you know, tails and tails. Oh yeah. A nice event. And then this year they could, they couldn't do it this year. So hopefully they'll do it again when we can all gather. Paul, run me down this uh, American Porter here. You guys brewed a Hell Smoke Porter, smoked at the brewery over Applewood. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but this porter, uh, you know, basically is is citing the the immense smoke uh, flavoring in there. So you, obviously, you're smoking over Applewood. We're using a, a porter base. What what else has gone into this process? It's it's basically a, a, an American porter slash robust porter, and I smoke like. 20% of the barley over the applewood. Um, I had a, 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 an alternate version of it where I, same exact recipe, I just didn't smoke any of it. That was the purgatory porter. Uh, but yeah, just this time of year, I like a porter. So there you go. What's the difference between a regular porter and a robust porter? What's what, what the challenges of both? Here, uh, I think. Um, and then it's kind of like, you know, it's, the lines start to, to fade a little bit. It's like the old story, you know, the old question, what's the difference between a porter and a stout? Mm. You know, there's each brewer will put their own little spin on it. How much, how much of the black malt, roast malt you yep. want to yep. Now, is that really it? Is it just a matter of how much malt that goes into it? Or is there adjuncts that would change the element? Um, you know, I, I I assume adjuncts would change it. I haven't used any. I mean, the closest thing to anything adjunct-wise I've used for stout or porter is the, the one on the potato stout with the potatoes. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I mean, like like if you have a bolt. You can do so many different little variables on it, which is really a lot of the part of the fun. Ah. So, uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Jordan R. just sent me one of the photos. I ah. just got it. Uh, first hop yard, hop yard, sorry. In 1808, James D. Coolidge planted the first hop yard field in Madison County. By 1859, uh, New York supplied 87% of the hops grown in New York State. So yep. this is one of those, you know, historical landmark things that you see around the state. I have one literally right by my parents' house across the street. 
which was the first meeting house for women's suffrage in New York, which is kind of cool. Ah, um, that's cool. I like I like seeing those because I'll I'll end up driving through a neighborhood and I'll see that and I'll go. I'm going to stop and go back and read that because they're really cool moments in history to me that made a difference into where we are today. And yeah, as we, good and bad as it is, it's very cool. We have that two blocks from us uh, is an area called the campgrounds. And if you do a Google Earth or you do even like a Waze or whatever, it's two circles and the houses are in a circle. And it was one of the first uh, settlements in Merrick. And they also call it tiny town because all the houses are like, like two two rooms mm. and um one of them is a church and it's from like 1876 or something like that it's got one of those placards mm -hmm. I live there yeah these were these were uh evolved from the methodist meeting camps yes seacliff started a sim in a similar way where they uh, that's why seacliff's got all those little tiny little plots of land because people it was originally a meeting camp, they put up tents, and then eventually somebody said, Well, let me put up a little cottage, and then they just kind of grew from there. I, I love I love seeing those. I have um another one that is literally by my house, and it just cites like some settlement back in the eighteen hundreds. And it's just cool. Like on this plot of land here in front of you was something that happened, you know, almost two centuries ago. And it's just crazy to think about what it was versus where we are here today. It's just in inspiring almost of of the time that long island again we don't have the rich history back in this 15 1600s like europe has when you go over there and see bridges built you know like you know hundreds of years ago so you got to kind of only almost hold on to what we have here on long island so when again when you go out east you're traveling along um uh yeah what do you call sound road and things like that you'll see like little placards along the way stop and and read them and take the time to really appreciate long island history and even as you go upstate you know the new york new york history of of what has come and where we've been and, and where we're going it really can give you an idea of where we're headed which is always you know of course what billy joel said in in river of dreams or uh whatever else song that he's played uh but it gives you a really insightful idea uh <laughs> all right so there i'm gonna put my tin hat on there you go, buddy. <laughs> where where are we gonna be in like 200 years maybe we'll have the rich history like europe has now well well we, we, well, we do have a rich history uh it's just not a european history if you right. look about the town names on long island massapequa mm. cut these are old native american names yep. The first people were here when Europe, you know, was still, you know, hitting each other with sticks. You know, I mean, they still do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think Narcy meant like bent place, and this thing means like still water. Uh, Apog actually translates to industrial park. It was, it was, it was, it had to... <laughs> it's true. Interesting. But uh, so we have the history, it's just not. A European, you know, Eurocentric, centric, as it were. I, I'm personally going to bring back the wampum as a form of currency. Sure. That's going to be my thing. I think I'm going to bring back like puka shells and yeah. try to trade out, you know, certain you know, things. Might well, be cultural appropriation, and you're wampum. not allowed to do that, Mike. Whoa, whoa! I'm not demeaning any of it. It's wampum. It was in my U.S. history in fourth grade. I know what the currency was back in the day. See, but I thought wampum was when somebody pissed you off. No, 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 wampum. No, 
<laughs> no, 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 no. No, it was shelf. Hey. It was literally shells. Oh, so, so the American Indians on Long Island used to be able to collect Whoa. shells. No, no. Right. <laughs> no, none of, none of that. They used to collect shells. And the most like my kid at the beach. No, yeah. yes, so yeah, kind of a millionaire actually. now, right now, Pete. Yeah, yeah you be <laughs> with the amount of Ziploc bags you've taken home from the beach, <laughs> you would be hundred percent a millionaire back oh, in the seventeen uh, hundreds oh, or sixteen hundreds, really. Uh, but that's truth. What what I learned and what I've taken away is that again the rich history of the settlements that were here prior to us was this this really origin story of these um, initial settlers that used the elements that were around them. The things that we just take for granted, Pete, thanks for even saying that the, the shells at the beach or the, the pretty rocks that were being used, they used that as a form of currency to buy and trade. They held that to a standard that was beautiful. They saw the beauty in what was around us. And that's what I'm saying about the history. I here. thought they sold their kids. No, like- no. <laughs> Two goats equals one child, like, but that I, doesn't. Well, didn't John Smith like he just like I want that? He chick. went out west. He didn't hang Sacagawea, out here. Sacagawea, here we go. Yeah, Sacagawea is not even the right word. Sacagawea. Oh, Sacagawea. But we have like like uh, Paul said, Massapequa. Put some wampum on a. Massapequa was when you need him. right. Yeah. Well, was a tribe, and listen, I again I go to history. Massapequa was a tribe of Indians. That's why they're the chiefs. Probably no longer because of political correct. No, they still are. They don't give a fuck there. Fair enough. I don't blame them. Um, because they... Massapequa was a yellow zone, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Massapequa Park. Park, that's uh, the yellow park. zone. <laughs> the difference, that's the... They that's get the, very specific there. That's like literally... The uh, Massapequa is Park, right? No, Park no. Avenue. Park Avenue no. <laughs> to uh, to County Line Road is pretty much Massapequa Park. I know people from Massapequa, and if you say, are oh, you from Massapequa Park, it will take offense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Same school district, different uh, residential area. You're correct. But you're no. right. I mean, the, 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 like I said, the history of, of that tribe, the people that were there, they were a well-known um, a tribe of people that ended up you know, doing very well, well-known across the state. This tank and- has really just... Going off the rails. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm just. This is the history part. What of do you think of the uh, Hell Smoke Porter, Mike? Deli- I didn't open yet. Yet. I'm still oh, drinking. Come on, bro. I'm on my fifth beer. Can you cut me us some slack? So they that's should be going down on, easier. That's on to I had a fire on Fourth Thanks. Street on the on my block that I live. I had to go down with my dog. I literally took a red cup full Did of she beer. Piss on those like flames. What was she doing? Mm, well, <laughs> it was an attic fire, and they had to cut open the roof. So it was pretty cool to watch. Attic or addict? A T T I C. Yes, one is the guy running around, and he's doesn't care that he's on fire. And one's on the third floor <laughs> the that burns through the roof of a house. That's. Well, listen, there's a lot of action going on. And I mean, and, Dave's not a Dalmatian. What is, no. what is it matter? <laughs> really. She's not. But I, I I, was, like I said, drinking before the show. So you got to cut me a little bit of slack. In fact, Paul, this is going to benefit you. I'm going to I'm going to hold off on the hell on the uh, hell smoke porter and I'm going to drink it uh, on a day where I have morning. the first. Well, right. With no other beers on my Dude, uh, my breath. If I didn't have to go to work, I mean. Right. Exactly. I'm in quarantine. So fuck everybody. Like if I don't see a post from you tomorrow morning at 10, like, but if, if you're posting that after 11 a.m., I'm going to be Peter challenge accepted. 
There you so go. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. He's going to be. No, no, no. Don't, don't change the regulations. It's 10 a.m. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be a kegs and eggs type I'm of morning. I'm sorry. I moved it an hour back. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, there's no daylight savings time up, up at this bitch. I'm just telling you right now. 10 a.m. You want a Hell's Porter uh, post? You called for it. You got it. There you go. And I will give a not. I won't even do a review. I'll just put it out there like, hey, I'm enjoying the shit out of this smoked porter. Yeah, it, you better put it on Insta, right on the page. Of course, it will. On the on the on the story, 10 a.m. Look, 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 look. There you go. Uh, it doesn't have to be me drinking it, but Pick, you'll see it poured into a glass. it didn't happen, Mike. No, no, yeah, you don't have to. You never have to have a picture of you drinking it. It's just All right. in the glass. Just so you know, I do have a uh, a Zoom class to teach at 10 a.m. So maybe I'll drink it while teaching, and that's the post. It looks enough like coffee. It does. You're right. And I'll you put it in a coffee in a cup. Mug. I like where your head's at. <laughs> you have it in the coffee cups? Blow on the cup so it looks like it's, it's yeah. hot. I saw a post like that. It said, blowing on your coffee cup with whiskey <laughs> to pretend it's coffee. Yeah, look at, look at the Zoom. See? I can do it. Look. There you go. <laughs> there it is. See, a- anyone that's listening to the podcast wouldn't have the visual, but you can go oh. over to our YouTube channel and check out all the replays that will post in a few days. Uh, Paul, listen, we really appreciate you giving us the time. I don't know what that is. It's an old man sitting with a meme. Uh, it's a it meme. That. I'm sorry. Okay, fair enough. Paul, we really appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, like I said, this is uh, we we're actually honored to have you on because of the history that you provided to Long Island. Uh, brewing industry, the stuff that you've done over the last decade, and and the Us. stuff that you will bring in the future. Uh, let me get the big plug from you. Give me uh, the the Instagram, the the contact information, the hours of operation. Give me all of that so we get it out to the audience. Okay, the quickest and easiest is blindbatbrewery where I post the hours of operation, how to find us, 94 Washington Drive, Centerport, Long Island, New York. Uh, on Instagram, is at blindbatbrewer. That's probably the, that's where I post the most. There Thank you go. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Paul, this is, has been an honor. Uh, this is the work with Mike, Pete, and Steve. GovsRadio.com. Uh, I promise that I will get up there. Uh, I know Steve and Pete made it their way up there, but I'll get oh, up there sooner than later. Wife because... Yeah, I think I do too. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the food alone, she don't even care about the beer. The food and then wine behind it. Oh, yeah, because we carry being a New York State Farm Brewers license, we can carry New York State wine. We carry Macari wine, which we, my wife and I, we were tasting there back in 2007. We immediately joined their wine club. There, they, all of their wines are really terrific. So that's the wine we carry here. And it sounds like uh, you know. What, like you were saying before, the farmer's license really opens up to all of the things that New York State can provide. That that idea of taste of New York really rings yes. true when it comes to that that license. So it definitely makes a difference to have that. And of course, the food locally sustained and the ingredients in the beer is locally sustained, and all that other you know stuff that goes with it is a fantastic concept for anyone that's really like I am a historic buff of New York is, is going to love the concept of, of supporting local business here in New York, especially in these troubling times. Um, so Paul, again, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, Steve, do you have a, uh, less remarks to give to us before we get out of here? Um, yeah, you might not want to do the trial, uh, on uh, COVID 
vaccine because I got a third bowl and extra nubbin. Thanks, for guys, for reporting that. That's that's really important that people know that if you do the trials of the COVID-19 testing, you're going to get a third ball. But you know what? Extra spooch. Pete, what do you got? I mean, after that, nothing. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> What's your Don't line? Don't forget to have your pet spayed or neutered. That's right. We are the word with Mike, Pete, and Steve. GovsRadio.com. Thanks a lot for everyone checking us out. Thanks a lot to Paul from Blindback Brewing Boy. up in Centerport, New York. And, of course, check us out on all our replays. Check us out on the Hopped Up Network. In, uh, sorry, Spotify, uh, iTunes, and all that. The show will be available to everybody in the next 24 hours. And of course, everyone enjoy their Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Hope everyone stays safe and don't, sound. Don't, for the love of God, whatever you're doing this uh, holiday, whether it's with or without more than 10 people, yeah, do not try and get through it sober. Go visit <laughs> your local brewery, your local winery, your local distillery. Get some local made hooch and... Uh, Get to the holiday the best and it can. And if you have more than ten people, don't answer the fucking door. Oh, yeah, don't Cuomo. look. Don't look at the windows because Cuomo will be up there. Like it'll be the Cuomo police. <laughs> <laughs> this is the word with Mike, Pete, and Steve. Govsradio.com. We out. Well, that's two hours of your life that you'll never get back. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Please hang up and try again. Words on Govs Radio. I hope you're drunk enough.